Welcome to Behind the Stats with Matt Cross, a podcast taking a deeper dive into the sports stars from around the world so you can get to know the person behind the stats. Behind the Stats is sponsored by Buzz Physique. Use code MATT10 to apply 10% off your orders. And now, here's your host, Matt Cross. Okay, brilliant. Uh, welcome to episode four of Behind the Stats with Matt Cross. Um, just a really quick another thank you to Buzz Physique for still being involved with us. Um, it's been a, a little while since we've had an episode out, so glad to see them still supporting uh, the brand. Uh, today, I am extremely honoured and um, and privileged to welcome... Um, not only a, a brilliant swimmer back in his day, um, uh, a superb swimming coach, and now changing the world with his own podcast and um, and other things that we'll talk about later that I don't want to reveal too much about now. Uh, but from across the pond, it's uh, Steve Meller. Thank you for joining us. Matt, good to be here, buddy. So glad that you've, you've decided to have me on. I'm going to try to sound as as British as I possibly can, otherwise I'm going to get torn apart if I let my American <laughs> twang kick in too much. So. <laughs> ah, well, it's it's been a few years now. I mean, w- w- just remind us, when was it you actually left left the UK? Yeah, so I swam, I swam with Stockport Metro through 2005 and uh, moved to the moved to Raleigh, North Carolina in uh, August of 2005. I had a short sort of two year stint back in the UK in 2012 2013 but aside from that most of the last 16 years now I've been I've been stateside so you'll yeah. you'll forgive me for sounding a bit a bit less a little, a <laughs> little bit less from the northwest of England and a little bit more from the south of America so <laughs> uh we can let it go mate um but let's Steve we'll, we'll, we'll jump in obviously we, we we spoke there um you've you've swam for Stockport Metro um, uh, and then moved over to to Raleigh, North Carolina, to continue your swimming career there. Um, what 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 was the the sort of draw of of getting yourself out to the states rather than rather than carrying on in the UK? Yeah, it was funnily enough the the more that I started to reflect on this over the years, the more I, I kind of stumbled across a, a pretty significant. Uh, truth which was my, my dad and I used to talk about it when I was growing up we we used to just have these little moments on Friday nights while we put away whatever Chinese Indian fish and chips we'd had for dinner on a Friday and um, we'd just sit there just just talking and he, he would sometimes just drop it in like you know have you ever thought about maybe you could get yourself into one of these U.S. scholarships one day and I would just sort of go oh yeah you know I'm I, I want to be on the British team I want to be on the British team and you know that was kind of my thing it's like I, if I go to the U.S. it's going to be a lot harder to do that and all that kind of thing and lo and behold I worked my way through the British setup and became pretty much the very strictly established third best two in the backstroker in the U.K. but there was a sizable gap between myself and James Goddard and Gregor Tate and then there was a decent gap between myself and the rest of the pack following me and I kind of found myself in this weird situation where it was like, I think I can be a sub two minute tuna backstroker. I don't think I'm ever going to have the ability to be 155, 156 the way James and Gregor were. Um, what's the right thing for my life 
not not for my swimming what's the right thing for my life and 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 so fortunately i had enough of a support system including people that i was swimming with at the time uh that were able to introduce me to to the us and and some opportunities and once all the information was put on the table in front of me i would like oh, I'll, I'll be an idiot not to say yes to this and i think i i think i got the decision right so yeah definitely and um i i guess from that as well you you say you were third best but after you moved out to 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 North Carolina, you mm-hmm. then made the British teams for European Championships. Is that right? That's right. That's right. Yeah. So it, yeah. It's, it's funny. I mean, that was kind of my the, the literally the last swim I had in the UK before I went to the US was kind of my coming out swim. Um, you know, I dropped the two two minutes flat pretty much, which in two thousand five meant more than it does today. And yeah. um, you know, and I pushed uh, Gregory just come back from Gregor Tate just come back from I think World Championships, so he was kind of at the back end of his taper, and so I, I gave him a race, and he'd never I'd never given him a race before. You know, I was I was there with him into the last turn, and then he just kind of took me in the last twenty five, and I celebrated coming second and going two double O as though I'd actually won the race, and Gregor was just sort of looking at me like, dude, calm down. I'm like, mate, <laughs> I've never seen <laughs> this fast before. I've never seen this fast before. Don't tell me to calm down. And um, anyway, yeah, so it was a great moment, and it, it put me on a European team uh, later that year, which, again, like I said, you know, being able to swim for Great Britain was always the goal, was always the goal. So the fact that that swim put me in that position, obviously very grateful for that. Yeah, definitely. And it, it was a uh... Like I said, that coming coming of age, that come out swim that that really allowed you. Do you think? Do you think that transition to the states allowed that to happen? Do you think the training you got, the facilities, the the extra support, maybe from from what you were getting at college, allowed that swim to come out more than it would have if you had been in. Well, yeah. So, so just to just to correct you a little bit, like I, oh, I did that swim. No, it's all right. I did that. Sw- that was literally my last swim for Stockport Metro. Um, right. Okay. So that was all. That was all me, Sean Kelly, um, the guys over there at the time in two thousand five. Um, but just to kind of take take what you're saying, like what it did do is it 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 forced me to sort of acknowledge, like, hey, there's there's something here, like you, because I I I was unlike most. Like that was I was nineteen, almost. I think I was twenty years old when I went that swim. You know, most people that I'd come up with through the ranks, they were doing things at 13, 14 for why they were on junior teams when they were 14, 15, 16. And I wasn't on those teams. And But I kept getting told by people like, stick with it, stick with it, stick with it. So for me, it was this coming, it, it was this coming of age moment for me where it was like, I'm so glad that I stuck with it because so, so many people that had those opportunities that I didn't when I was, when I was 15, 16, um, they'd all kind of come and gone through 17 18 19 and once they started to regress and plateau they kind of just threw it away whereas i just always kept getting better but i was kind of that tortoise in the hair approach and i was just playing yeah. the tortoise that was all ah brilliant okay so talk to us about europeans what happens at europeans i haven't got any official stats in front of me to <laughs> to bring it up so so can you remember what happened and and how it went it was it was uh it, it wasn't great i'll be honest it was it was pretty poor and i and i put it down to just adapting to the new training and new life in the in the u.s um and what's funny is that through that first season being in the u.s uh I was I was a I was a bit of a mess mentally. Physically I was still showing up and still getting it done, but I actually went through just a roller coaster of a transition of being massively homesick at first. I think it was about week three that I was there 
and I'm cold and family. I'm like, I think I'm done. I think I need to get out of this thing. Um, I just don't think this is oh, for well. me. And, uh, and it was, it's great. I, I, you know, it's been so long since I've even thought about this and talked about this stuff. But um, for, for me in that moment, I, there's guys that were ended up being in my wedding, you know, later in life um, that were able to kind of just pull me to one side way back there. Both, both people that I was getting to meet for the first time in Raleigh, but then also a few guys like James Goddard, Graham Smith, like guys that I'd swam with at Stockport Metro that had been through the, that I'd, you know, gone through some incredible things with and, and they'd achieved some awesome things while we were training together. We're kind of there like, dude, just, just don't do anything rash. Like you've got a great opportunity there. So these were guys that they could have easily said, oh yeah, dude, like come on back. Like just don't yeah. worry about it. But they didn't, they, they said like, listen, you've been wanting this for a while don't be silly. Don't jump on a, don't jump on the first plane and come back. Um, don't throw it away so, too quickly. Yeah. So I, I went through a lot of it, Matt. Honestly, I went through lots of ups and downs. I had a couple of injuries through my first year over there as well. So the first year in so many ways couldn't have been less, you know, beneficial for someone to come back and compete well in international competition. Um, but once I got through that first year, I started to figure it out from there. That's great. And then, Let's let's talk then. Obviously, the transition you you were with with uh, North Carolina as a swimmer, and then you started doing a little bit of work with them on pool deck as well. How how did that how, how does that transition work? Because you know, in the UK, it's pretty standard. You go, I'm retiring, and then you just pick up a stopwatch, and <laughs> you end up you end up taking the junior kids or whatever else. Right. The, the the natural right. transition. How how was that for you over in the states? Man, yeah, it's a lot different, um, you know. And just to just to make sure, like, no one, no one in the UK is going to care about this. But if if a few of my mates over here hear this, it's North Carolina State University. Okay. If, if, if people think it's the University of North Carolina, it's it's it'd be the equivalent of saying, "Did you play for Liverpool? Or did you play for Man United?" And getting it the wrong way around. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> I, I, I say I say it like that purposely because I'm just like, listen, I didn't go to North Carolina. I went to North Carolina State. It's different. Um, but anyway, the um, the the thing for me when, when i when i made the transition to coaching it, it it wasn't something i deliberately did um you know i finished my i finished my swimming career i had a shoulder surgery immediately uh torn labrum swam with a torn labrum for a number of number of months which i would never recommend to anybody um and touched the wall grabbed my arm and just said take me you know where's the knife get in there get it done thank you um and then i was done and that was it and would come by the pool just to say hi to people uh, with one yeah. arm and, and all that kind of thing. And, <laughs> and, and you know, but before I knew it, uh, I would just be, wa- I'd be walking around saying hi to a few coaches and things like that. And someone would be doing something in the pool and I'd just be like, Hey, if you don't, don't do that. Like that's, that's, that's lazy. Don't do that. Like do, do this. And, and, you know, I had a reputation to be able to talk to someone like that. And, and then before I knew it, what was supposed to be just to pop in, say hi and leave, turned into like 30 minutes of coaching that I didn't even realize I was doing until I walked away. And I'm like, did I just, did I just coach? Like, is that what I just did? <laughs> um, and, and so anyway, you know, uh, suddenly the opportunity to stay and do my master's degree at NC State was on the table and, um, and, and made a commitment to that. And the beauty of that is that they actually pay you then to, to help coach the college team while you're getting your master's degree too. So you're sort of an assistant to Amazing. the assistants, if you will. Yeah. Um, and, and so 
that was amazing, you know, because there was opportunities for me to say yes to things that nobody else wanted to do, whether it was staying behind and working on some technique, working on some video because the coaches needed to get going to do whatever it was they do, you know, with their full-time job. Um, I was able to find opportunities to do more one-on-one work, which to be perfectly honest is my happy place. Like when I'm working one-on-one with an athlete and in, in the work that I do today, like that's where yeah. I'm at my happiest is, is having that complete engagement with somebody one-on-one. Um, so, and, and that's where I got the bug, man. I mean, just at that point then I was just like, wow, I, I talk and they respond to me. This is interesting. This is a, a paradigm that I wasn't, I wasn't prepared for this. You know, it, yeah. it was, it was. And, and so that immediate response and engagement that athletes showed me got me hooked. Definitely. It's, it, it's a different kind of buzz, isn't it? From, yeah. I know I felt that when I, when I first started coaching, you retire from competing and that's a certain buzz, but then that, that respect almost and, uh, the way they respond and you just see something maybe slightly different is it, it takes that other, that buzz for you and, and puts it back in. Um, yeah. So, so you, you were with NC state. You mentioned, obviously you had that brief little period where you came back mm-hmm. to the UK. Um, what is it you were doing while you were back in the UK for oh, that man, brief was, stint? Was, yeah, it was, a, it was a mess um, to be honest with you. Cause it wasn't the plan really. So I, I you know, when I when I finished my second my my master's degree at North Carolina State, I had an opportunity to work at Louisiana State University um, for a year, which I took and I, I did that yeah. and I loved it. And the plan was to get a a new work visa and keep going. And then there was a whole mess between the university and the you know uh, immigration stuff. And before I knew it, it was just like pack your bags, you're on, you're on the next boat. And and so for me, I was like, oh wow <laughs> hello hello reality you know just like yeah. a massive dose of reality just kind of slapped me around the face and um and then before i knew it like i said i was trying to figure my life out honestly in the uk and i tried i tried recruitment for a little while and goodness me did i hate it and i got nothing <laughs> got nothing against that world i got some really good friends that do it but it, it's like any world right everyone yeah. finds themselves in it and they see themselves in it and I just couldn't sell. I'm, I'm not a salesman. It's just not, it's not what I like to do. I like to have auth- authentic communication relationships, et cetera. And um, the selling part of it didn't come easy. So that's not, that's not a good thing in the recruiting world. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. so, <laughs> um, so anyway, the, the, the beauty of that though, was to see how little I enjoyed that reminded me how much I enjoyed coaching. So I actually went down and worked with a swim school uh, called creative aquatics down in Froome, just, just near Bath. And I yep. uh, worked there for almost a year. Uh, Simone Benhayen still works there to this day. Um, and I'm so appreciative for that because I was in mate, I was in the water with like three-year-olds, four-year-olds teaching swimming all over again. I was spending five hours a day in the water and it was, it was almost therapeutic. It was like, hey, remember when swimming was just fun and nothing else? It wasn't competitive. It wasn't yeah. anything. It was just pure emotion, pure satisfaction for putting your face in the water today and being able to get out and tell mom, Hey, I, I did it. I did it. I did it. You know, like that little, little things like that. Yeah. Um, it was, it was beautiful in a way to get that reminder that this is how we all started on this, on this path of, of being in swim coaching or being in swimming or being in sport. Um, you know, so it, it was really great for me. And then I decided to come back up North, started my own personal training um business and it was right then the lsu louisiana state university pretty much got back in touch and said listen we figured it all out and this is about two years later uh we figured it all out we've got a vacancy let's do it and i was like sounds good to me so (laughs) that was it 
And the rest is history, as they say. There you go. There you go. <laughs> so, so obviously, then comes the move back to LSU, and and that's kind of more where I know you from. Obviously, we definitely we, we sort of connected a, a little bit more then. I I knew of you while we were swimming. Uh, you know, I'm a I'm a I look ten years older, but I'm a couple of years couple years younger. Um, so I was 200 back as well. So I, you know, you were a name that was always like, let's try and chase those guys. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. but in terms of us talking was really when, um, now a friend of ours, but a former athlete, um, we sent Harry Ackland obviously out to, to LSU and, um, and then I came over to the, to, to the SEC championships. And that's when we, yeah. we, we, we really had the, the first, first proper conversation that we'd had for a, you know other than a hello as we walk past each other on poolside sort of thing um so you've got back out to LSU and 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 you start what position did you take originally because I know there's about 17 different positions other than head coach in America which <laughs> it's all about it's all it all comes back to stroking the ego it's like all right this person this person needs another word in their title so let's stroke their ego and give them another word um but yeah yeah, yeah. so I, I was just an assistant coach a lowly assistant coach when i first came back um and okay. i was actually funny enough um the first year that i was there the one year that i was there in 2011 2012 i had just 12 12 lads that i was working with that was it no women um strictly sort of mid-distance to a little bit of distance uh and then i came back and the the major vacancy was in sprinting um there wasn't really a sprint coach around within the within the staff and i'd done some i'd, I'd, I'd been doing some work in personal training so my whole mind had shifted in terms of like hey the body the body's capable of learning and adapting and, and getting better as an athlete on land or in short bursts in the water as it is with as history tells us swimming up and down the pool for 50 60 70,000 you know meters a week um yeah so i came back with this kind of different perspective on on coaching on swimming and through the spring of 2015 when i first came back uh i slowly more and more started working with sprint based athletes and by that summer i was that was me i was the sprint coach and and yeah. so it was it's kind of crazy when you hear it that way because it's like wow that's a that's a big responsibility for someone that didn't really you know not necessarily go through that as an athlete get as much experience of that with coaching but the one thing with me is like i've always let athletes help me coach them in, in the sense of hey listen i'm gonna try it this way give me your feedback okay we're gonna try it this way today give me your feedback and and so for me it's like i'm willing to stand there in that first year as a spring coach and say this is what we're gonna do you guys are the sprinters and if if we finish this session and you're just like half of that didn't make any sense for me as, a, as an athlete then i want you to come and respectfully tell me that i don't want you to scream at me halfway through the session going why are we doing this why are we do like you know i don't want to hear that but i want to I, I want that professional feedback and and so i let the athletes teach me through that first year and it was the best education i could have asked for um and from that moment from that moment on i had my identity as a sprint coach and Six years later, I was still doing it. So, um, it's it's amazing how that sort of transition, just from those couple of bits you you did back in the UK and and things, it just flips your mindset completely on on how you've ad- approached your coaching, I suppose. Um, yeah. And then, so you, you you've taken the role as as assistant, and then I know you, eventually you moved up to to. 
what the Americans call an associate head coach. Associate head coach. Yeah. It's like if you've watched if you watch the American office, it's like, you know, the assistant to the regional manager. It's like a way of it's a way of it's a way of making someone think, hey, listen, you know, you're getting you're getting those head coaching responsibilities now, but you're not the head coach just yet. You're not calling the shots and all that kind of thing. A lot of okay. it though, more than anything, was a reward for my loyalty and my commitment. Because one thing yeah. you don't see a lot in the US is assistant coaches hanging around very long. They they're always trying to work their way up the the yeah. ladder and they they spend two years here, three years here, two years here. And I I was in year I spent eight seasons there before I decided to step away. So that was kind of unheard of, especially for someone in the late twenties, early thirties. Um and I and I had opportunities to leave, but for me it was like ah, I see the potential for what we can do here. So that it was very much a reward for that more than anything. That's amazing. And um and then I suppose in in one of your final seasons, maybe not knowing you the way I do, maybe not the biggest reward as a coach, but certainly the the sort of biggest thing we can do as a swimming coach to have our name as part of is you you, you worked with with obviously uh, with Brooks Gurry, mm. and you were his his sort of main, I guess the main coach of of him going through. Um, you know what ended up being the first Olympic gold medalist for LSU. Yeah, and it's an amazing story, honestly. I mean, but what it did, what it did, is it validated my approach to coaching really more than anything. Um, because you know what it's like working in the world of any sports coach. Everyone's got their beliefs that there's there's certain ways that work better than other ways, and to a certain point, you have to respect this way or respect doing it this way, and all this kind of thing, and. Um, you know, the one thing for me during my eight, eight and a half seasons with LSU was I I consistently believe that connecting with the athlete and nurturing the athlete as a, as a person at the foundation would always provide in, in the long term, would always provide the best rewards. Now, occasionally, the beauty of that was that I would connect with someone quickly and they would really start to adapt to the work we were doing quickly and the results would come quicker. And, 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 you know, and that was very much the case by the time I sort of got to the last three years of my time at LSU, it was just like season upon season. It was more NCAA summers, more U S finalists, all this kind of stuff. Like things just kept happening from that foundation of years, sort of, you know, establishing what it was I was doing. And, and then Brooks Curry kind of came into my life in like 2018. Um, 2018, I started recruiting him. No one was recruiting him. No one. And and that was the beauty of it was like, I see you. I see you. I can tell what you can be. Um, and, and I want you. I want you here and I want to work with you because I know how good you can be. Now, the one thing I always joke with people is like, no one could have ever convinced me that he would be as good as he was as quickly as he was. That was the part that I never saw coming. However... The beauty of the beauty of his and I's relationship was that from the very beginning, I got to be 100% me and he got to be 100% him. And people look at a kid like him and they say, wow, that kind of talent, he could have been successful anywhere. And I always push back and I say, I'm sorry, but that disrespects everything that we worked on. Because the fact is that a guy like Brooks Curry needed to be nurtured as a human more than he needed to be nurtured as an athlete. The athlete stuff was always going to come in time. But once he set foot, in, in our program in 2019. And I actually had the day-to-day interaction as opposed to just phone call to phone call through the recruiting process. That it, within a couple of weeks, I was like, wow, this could, 
this could fall into place quicker than I ever imagined. And lo and behold, within a couple of a couple of weeks of training, a couple months of development and education, and also that familiarity, that bond between he and I was built so quickly and so naturally um, that he was able to be his truest self. And and that meant being able to tell me that things were too difficult and, and all this kind of thing. And, um, and and so we just had this great relationship and, and that relationship was just the foundation for everything that he then went on and did. And, and the one thing Matt, I always make clear is like, he's the one that did it. You know, he's yeah. the one that did it as a, as a coach. It's like, you know, I, 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 be, I believed in my methodology. I believe how to do it, but the kid was the one that did it. The kid was the one that dealt with standing in a U.S. US Olympic uh, time trials at night in front of a, a crowd of 5,000 people knowing that there was a couple million people watching them at home and swam a 48-19 a and, and made the Olympic team. Like, he, he had to do that, <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and I'm glad it wasn't me because I couldn't have done it. <laughs> uh, no, definitely. So, look, then... Obviously now we're we're transitioning. We've you, you've left swimming coaching. Yeah. Um. What What was the mo- motivation behind le- leaving swimming coaching? If it's not going to upset anyone by by you explaining that, <laughs> um, I'm not going to call anybody out. Um, no, no, no. The 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 heart of it at the heart of it for about eighteen months prior to my deciding to leave swimming um, is my, my podcast, which I'm sure we'll get to at some point, but my, my podcast career competitor, which I started in the summer of, of 2018 had really started to build some, some momentum. I started getting introduced to people in all sorts of walks of life, um, specifically here in the U S and I was interview. I'm continuing to interview, you know, famous CEOs, well-established business people, well-established people in the world of sports. And the more and more I engage with these people, the more and more these people would encourage me to consider life beyond swimming in terms of just, hey, listen, like the way you hear things, the way you perceive things, the way you seem to sort of reframe and reword certain points that people make so that other people can understand it. It's a skill set in itself. And it's something that can be very effective in in just about any other walk of life when it comes to coaching when it comes to bringing the best out of people uh so for me i kept getting this feedback you know after we would finish recording interviews and i would just be like you know thank you so much appreciate it and then get back in the car and go back to swimming um and you know for, for so for me that was very much the case behind the scenes for about 18 months and then um my boss of the entire time at LSU was was came to an agreeing uh, agree, agreement with uh, administration that it was going to be the end of his contract and he was done and with that sort of thing in the US um, all the assistant coaches then are vulnerable to losing their jobs as they seek out this new head coach and fortunately in my case uh, in that time period between my old boss losing his job and the new boss being hired I put you uh, LSU's first ever us guy on an olympic team which was a decent resume builder to say the least and so for me for me for me that was great and the new guy wanted me to stick around and within a matter of days to be honest matt i knew from a personality standpoint it just wasn't going to work it just wasn't going to work and um to as as hopefully you can sort of tell through the first 20 minutes of this like I like to be me. I like to be authentic. Yeah. I like to build relationships. Um, and that wasn't welcomed for whatever reason. And, and I've very much come to peace with that at this point. Um, and, and have nothing but, you know, positive memories of my time at, at LSU and, and, and more so in some coaching, you know, lots of, yeah. lots of wonderful, um, 
you know, positive memories. However, the moment I decided to to step away from swimming, um, I was just like, so now what? And and I looked at this name, Korea Competitor, which my podcast was uh, and is to this day. And I said, well, what does that look like as a business? And and so I spent time, probably I say spent time, I spent about four days, about four days really sitting down <laughs> researching and thinking about this thing and came up with this sort of coaching and consulting model that I've now been running for about 11 months. And it continues to evolve, continues to change all the time. Um, but the beauty of it is it I get to do now with business owners and um, leaders and professionals in all walks of life over here. I get to do now with them what I was doing with athletes in the pool. The the, the process is in so many ways so similar, and it's about yeah. encouraging someone to strive towards their best self, and that's it. And, and and at its core, that's it. There's a lot of work yeah. that goes on around it, but that intentionality behind what I'm doing of just hey, how can we serve you? And by serving you, say a business owner. How will that version of you then serve all of these employees that work for you, for instance, or all of your clients that you deal with all the time? And uh, everybody wins as far as I'm concerned in that type of thing. No, definitely. And you mentioned it there, you know, you've had the podcast going now for for four years. Um, the, the the business that you started pretty much a, a year ago now. Um, and then there's a any, for anyone that follows you on on sort of social media or is friends with you on Facebook or anything like that, uh, they'll have seen today that there's a new strand, um, a new string to your bow, so to speak, uh, and you've become a become an author. Yeah, man, I like to think of it as a feather in the hat because you know, like yourself, <laughs> like like yourself, I've not got any hair on my head, so I might as well wear a hat. Um, but you know, the the yeah, man, I mean, it's crazy. It's honestly crazy. I can't, I can't, I actually can't believe, and I, it's going to take a while for me to say. Yeah, I'm an author, and I've already had these moments in the last couple of weeks privately with a few people that I've known for a while. I'll start the sentence like I talk about this in my book, and I'm like, I don't know if I like saying that. Do I come off as a? <laughs> I don't know what I come <laughs> off as when I, when I start a sentence like that. I'm like, I'm not sure how I feel about that. It's going to take some adjustment. Um, but anyway, yeah, the you know the beauty of it is so much of what we've just been talking about. That was the genesis of the book. That's where it came from. You know, I, I took a, I took a complete unknown kid in the world of swimming, and in two years he put himself on a U.S. Olympic team. And what I love about the story, first and foremost, just as itself, you don't hear that story very often in the world of swimming. You just don't. And and it's, it's a great story in itself, but that's not what the book is. The book is so much about my approach to coaching someone like that. And then I pull in about 18 examples uh, of how other people have done um they, they've realized their potential if you will uh, that have come on the yeah. podcast and talked to me about that so the book's called shock the world a competitor's guide to re- realizing your potential so it's all right there it's about hey what can you do to shock the world what can you do to realize your potential and uh, it's a nice short book because i wrote it as though i would be the one reading it um yeah. and i don't i don't do well with long books um so okay. <laughs> for, me, for me it's a it's a nice 128 page book it's got lots of lots of drawings in it and, and places where you can fill in things i'm just like okay that's that's about right for me uh so hopefully that'll be that'll be good for a lot of other people too uh fantastic um and have you got a, a rough idea of release date both yeah, us and uk or yeah in the in the us october 15th and i'm thinking it's probably going to be two weeks later in the uk so i'm hoping by the end of october um i'm going to get a big shipment out to the uk and uh set it up maybe have my mom and dad put some books in in envelopes and sh- ship them out to people so <laughs> uh mate no well I, if there's if there's anything i can do to help you let me know <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll be sure to order one straight away Thank um you. no that's uh, uh, and that's such an amazing sort of 
you know, you've drawn on all of your experience there, not only your swimming, your swimming coaching, but then also all the lessons you've learned from talking to the, you know, the pretty incredible people you've had on your podcast. I think it's, mm. uh, you know, it's, it's testament to you that you're, you, you know, you're still willing to learn from all those people and then, and then put it on paper for everyone else to try and learn from you. Um, yeah. And, that's, a, and that's what you're, that's what you're doing with the show, right, mate? I mean, that's, that's what it comes down to. It's so easy just to look at the results and just say, Hey, wow, you're so successful. Wow. You've achieved this. And it's like, well, there's, there's so many lessons to be learned behind those, you know, behind those achievements. And again, as I was alluding to with, with, with Brooks Curry's story, it's like, you can just take that for an amazing story and appreciate it for what it is. And and maybe that's enough, but to me, it's like, well, what, why not, why not try to motivate more people to do that? You know, why not, why not give people some sort of map of like, Hey, here's, here's a way you could do it. And and that's kind of what I'm offering with the book is like, Hey, here's an idea. Here's a way of doing it. Here's a, here's an opportunity for you to maybe realize that you're capable of something you hadn't yet realized. Um, you know, so, but that's what I love about your show, mate, is that you're, you're saying, Hey, here's, here's someone that's achieved this and let's get behind that. Let's pull back, pull back at what's at the surface and, and go a little deeper if you will. No, I appreciate that. It's, um, it's always been a thing, for for me growing up you know i've i've read about all these sports stars and coaches and and people from the world but you know you, you only know what they allow you to to see in the public light it's it's getting to know that that actual human and then that can maybe you can learn something from that to take into your own life um speaking of as a human being um it's your anniversary today as well um so congratulations <laughs> yes, so congratulations i'm sorry i'm stealing you on the uh, uh on such an important day so no it's all right she's at work it's all right you know what i mean <laughs> when you've got when you've got two kids and your anniversary falls on a weeknight it's um it's you don't celebrate it until the weekend anyway so it's it's just any any ordinary day here <laughs> no, well congratulations um Cheers. so so let's see. I, I asked you, and and I and I asked. I've asked all my guests to do this so far. Um, I asked you to come up with with three songs mm. that maybe you know mean something, resonate with you, bring out an emotion. Um, so without without sort of hanging around too much, what's what's the song number one that you've gone for? <laughs> well, now that you brought up the anniversary part of this um the first song i have to mention is the song that my wife and i danced to at our wedding uh which is james morrison you make it real which uh which surprised if i had a few few british people obviously over uh for the wedding here in here yeah. in the u.s and I, I gave them all day to try and guess what it would be i told them it's gonna be something british but you know so lots of ed Sheeran guesses and things like that i'm like no no sorry sorry <laughs> <laughs> um so that's the first one the second one sticking with the british side of it is oasis uh, little, little by little, yeah. um, mainly because that that is kind of in many ways been my approach um, to to life is is always assuming that there's an opportunity to do it, you know, little by little, um, and, and you just got to be patient about it. And uh, the <laughs> the last one, the last one is just a funny one because for me, it's you know, I have I have two kids, my daughter's three, my son's two. Um, but the beauty is my my daughter's already showing signs that you know being being on the stage one day might be in her future okay um, so so let it go from frozen <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. because because and again there's, there's a reason um because those the the entertainment that i get 
from watching my daughter sing let it go on the back seat of the car while i'm driving um you know i've hit 37 years old and there's little moments in my life where i can be as entertained as i am by her doing that um so for me that that i had to put that one in because hopefully maybe 10 or 15 years i could play a play this episode back and uh <laughs> say that that it, that it was embarrassing you even way back then so <laughs> uh, this is definitely uh an 18th birthday um there you go. sort of video coming out definitely uh the, no mate three brilliant songs um mm. and all with really really great meanings um mm. now i know obviously we're we're sort of moving through i'm 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 gonna play this with everybody um a couple of them are the same couple of them have been a bit different um but uh i i play would you rather games um like it all the time at coaching you know i'll just randomly turn around to a swimmer and ask him a would you rather just to distract him from the fact i'm about to give him 60 100s max or something <laughs> um uh now the first one is one i've asked every guest um so if you've listened you've probably heard this one so uh would you rather uh go back to being 10 years old but have your current brain. So you're you, but back when you were 10 years old, mm. or would you rather have 10 million, I suppose, dollars for you um, dumped straight into your bank account immediately as we speak? Definitely, definitely the latter, definitely $10 million. Um, mainly because I, I love being a 10 year old in a 10 year old's body. <laughs> I, don't want, I don't want to know what I know now as a 10 year old. I'd rather be naive and stupid to be honest. Um, so yeah, that's uh and plus 10 million sounds like a, there's a few good trips that come with that too. So yeah, there's one or two things you could do with that. Definitely. Um, so one, one uh, I had to think about and one I got asked the other day, would you, would you rather lose an arm or lose a leg? I think I'd rather lose a leg, to be honest, um, mainly because, uh, I mean, I spend most of my days sat at a desk anyway, right? So I've got I've got my arms. If I've got my arms available, I can still be productive. I think um, it would be it would make working out a little bit difficult, but yep. I think I'd rather, yeah, I, I'd rather keep my arms, to be honest. See, I think f- for me and my the way my brain went with that one is I wouldn't want to lose the the, the sensation of touch. Yeah. But also prosthetic legs just seem to be a little bit better than prosthetic arms <laughs> at the moment. So if I'm gonna if I'm gonna get one, I'd rather have one that was, you know, maybe a few more years in advance. Right. Um okay, so the last one. Uh last would you rather before I, I hand my show over to you. Um <laughs> would you rather be incredibly famous? Everyone knows who you are. You can't walk down the street without people knowing you but you have very little money, very little finance, or would you rather be incredibly rich, silly amounts of money, you know, Jeff Bezos sort of money in the bank, um, but nobody knows who you are. Not a single person knows you. Um, Probably, probably the first one, to be honest. Um, You know, I think uh, I'm just, I'm so I'm so driven by engagement that I just don't there's no I don't think there's any amount of money that could make me happy and have to just never engage ever again. Um, you know, I think that that's uh that's just a life for me it would be a life not worth living to be honest. Um in not not being able to engage with people so so yeah, I have to go with the first one. Brilliant. Um, no, they're great answers. Um right, well Steve 
obviously I've been on your podcast already, so I'm interested to see where this one goes. Um, but handing the show over to you as I have done with, with every guest towards the end and, um, feel free to ask me the, the questions that you, that you maybe have come up with. Yeah. The first one, first one I have to ask you, um, because I think about this a lot, uh, is what, what else would you do if you weren't coaching? Um, Okay. So, I mean, if I, if I think back to, you know, when I was much younger, I wouldn't say much smaller, but much younger, I've always been pretty tall. Um, I I always wanted to, um, work with like sea life. I always wanted Mm. to, to be involved in, I've, I've grown up in the Southwest of England. There's beaches everywhere. Um, you know, I was, I was extremely lucky to, to visit America and I know you're not supposed to talk about it anymore, but I went to SeaWorld and, and things yeah. when I was, when I was younger. And I always, I always just had this fascination with maybe working with like, with, with sea life, with, mm. with the dolphins, with the, with, with the manatees. Manatees are my favorite animal, by the way, they're right. superb. Um, so I always, I, I would maybe say something down that sort of route, maybe marine biology or, you know, something to do with, with sea life. I like it. I like it. And the the other part, of, the other question I have, just because so much of what we've spoken about is obviously swimming related. Um, if there could have been another sport that you had coached or played, for that matter, um, and dedicated your life to, let's put it that way, uh, yeah. what what sport would that be? Um, so pr- probably basketball. Um, so. Again, as I, as I just said, incredibly lucky when I was younger. I, I, I managed to visit the States a few times, went and did, um, you know, Orlando and Disney. But we also managed to take in a Orlando Magic game. Mm. Um, and it was, they were playing the Phoenix Suns and Charles Barkley was still at the Phoenix Suns. Wow. Um, and I just fell in love with the game of basketball, the atmosphere, the, the you know, the passion of the crowd, the you know, t-shirts being fired out of guns into the, just every, everything about the, the situation around that game of basketball. Um, and, you know, I was, I was also in a fortunate position that when I got back to school and, and everything, I was four foot taller than everyone else by the time I was 11. So it, it worked in my favor playing, playing basketball for school. So I think, yeah, if I hadn't have developed my, my sort of love and, you know, maybe showing a bit of talent in swimming. I think hmm. probably basketball would have been the one I went down. I'm right there with you, mate. Honestly, uh, I fell in love with basketball in the mid nineties. I actually have a picture of uh, some art in the top right corner of my screen. Yeah. You can't really see it, but it's Kobe Bryant and Kobe Bryant taught me to love the sport of basketball. And then, and then the rest was history in terms of that. It was like 25 years later. I still massive fan of it. So I think I would have gone basketball as well, to be honest. Yeah. Who's your team though? The Lakers, um, which you know has its has its ups and downs, like any team. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a Liverpool fan yeah. too, so you know it's been it's been about 34 years of waiting and three years of of success. So, <laughs> oh man, no, well, I won't I won't talk too much about Liverpool, but you know I'm a man I'm a Man United <laughs> fan, and we 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 did manage to beat you the other day, which yeah, touch wood is changed our season because it was a yeah, we'll it see. was we'll it was pretty terrible before that um 
Uh, brilliant. No, Steve, look, I, I cannot thank you enough for for giving up the time um, to be here and be with me. I know you're a incredibly, incredibly busy guy now, so um, I don't want to. I don't want to drag you away for too much longer. Um, but it's been brilliant to get to know a little bit more about you. Um, I cannot wait for the book to come out. Um, mm. uh, I've, I've, I've jotted down end of October um, for, for the pre- pre-sale. I'll, I'll get the order in um, as soon as you let me know it's it's available. Mm. Um, but yeah, thank you so much, Steve. It's, it's been a real honour to to sort of flip it from, from the other way around and, um, you know, have you on here and um wish you every success in the future and and best of luck with the book matt cheers mate honestly it's been lovely being on and um again if anyone never if if no one checked out your episode of my podcast career competitor you should go do it i got some really nice feedback from from matt joining the show so um definitely encourage people to go listen to it but matt appreciate the time mate thank you cheers steve and just really quickly mate how how can people get in touch with you if there's there's anything they want to talk to you about yeah, you can go to my website, careercompetitor.com. Uh, you can also find me on uh, Instagram's place where I spend most of my time. And it's just uh, coach underscore Steve underscore M for Mella. Uh, and I get to say my name properly on this show. It's nice. And the, the Americans put this weird or on the end of my name. So uh, it's yeah. nice to say Mella and not have to spell it out for people. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. No, we'll, when we when we get it all um, set, sent out, I'll, I'll link you all up to to everything as well but again steve thank you so much for your time it's um it's been a pleasure and i'll speak to you soon yep thanks for listening to behind the stats with matt cross sponsored by buzz physique go to buzzbusy.co.uk and use the code matt 10 to apply 10 percent off your orders Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. In the meantime, keep up with the show on Twitter at Behind underscore Matt and on Instagram at Behind the Stats with Matt. Until next time.